is good to us. Amen. What a presence of the Lord was in this house on Sunday. Man, was that good? God was up. Did God stir your heart? I think we, uh, we heard a sound and, and, and trust that you've continued to hear that sound throughout the week. So I know you just sat down, but uh, just, just stretch your legs and stand with me real quick uh, for the reading of the word. It goes as this, it's Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 36. We're doing something a little unique this summer. We're tagging Wednesdays and Sundays together on this summer soul care and kind of doing everything around that. So that's why I'm preaching in that vein again, or speaking in that vein tonight. Uh, So whoever would save his life will lose it. Is that on the screen for you? Good. Would y'all read it with me? You're right, let's start over. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Praise the Lord. While you're still standing, I want you to repeat this with me and just kind of make a statement. This is not a scripture. I just want you to repeat it with me. Everybody say, just put your hand right here and say, I have a soul. Say it again. I have a soul. Say, my soul is inside me. I can't see it. But it lasts forever. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk to you, and we're going to call this um, Why Your Soul Matters. Because if we're going to talk about the soul throughout the summer and bring healing and restoration to all the faculties and things that the soul touch and manifest itself into, we need to kind of understand why we're even talking about this. Why does it even matter? What, you know, I've always heard stuff about my soul, my soul. What, even, what is that? Why does it even matter? And so let's talk about that tonight, kind of you know, a, a base there for that. Uh, number one, your soul is breathed into you by God. It's breathed into you by God. So we want to find out why the soul matters. It's breathed into you by God. So that makes it a big deal. Genesis 2, 7 says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. A living creature. And I, I love that, that Genesis 2 says that. And let's, let's look into that. Grasping this is is such a huge importance in knowing who you are and why your life is of such great value is understanding why the soul matters. Adam was created in two stages. So we're going to talk about the soul, why it matters. So let's go to Adam, that first, that first being. Why, the, excuse me, Adam was created in two stages. The first was that God formed the man of dust. He took dust from the ground and formed a body. Now, in the same way that he did that with man, uh, he, did, he formed the woman, and, and we are formed. We're, we're made of uh, dust, our flesh. And, and it, so, but it's also similar to animals, in that sense. And we know we're different than animals, but what, what, what's going on there? 
Bible says, Genesis 2.19, Now out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Where did he form them from? Out of the ground. Every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens. So God made us out of the ground, when, and when we die, that's precisely what we do. We go back to the ground. We, we return to the dust from which we come from, right? And so um, this, this body of ours is created from the ground. That's how God did that, but he did the same thing with animals. So, uh, so, but, so there's why there is this second stage of Adam. The second stage in the creation of Adam, which shows which we are different, that we are different from animals. And, and aren't you glad to find that out? So let's look at Genesis 2, 7 again. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and look at this, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Now, King James Version says, and became a living soul. And so I'm going to use that just a second because since we're talking about the soul, uh, it, it, can, it helps us uh, see it a little bit clearly, more clearly there. So in this text, he formed Adam out of the dust just like he did an animal but the uniqueness about us as humans, as men and women, is that he breathed into our nostrils and we became a living soul. And so we are more, Adam was more than just a body. Adam is now this living soul. And this soul is capable of, this soul is capable of knowing God. We can know God. And we can enjoy God. And it's capable of sinning against God. It's, it's something that the animals can't do. They, they can't know God. They can't uh, sin against God. We're, we're different. And that's what makes you and I different. And this is at the heart of what God is saying when he says, in Genesis 1, 26 through 27, you are made in the image of God. Everybody say, in the image of God. God has breathed life into you, and that life, and this is what you need to understand, that life that he breathed, that soul, will never end. It has a beginning, but it has no ending. It will Never, never end. Number two, your soul, your soul is the source of all of your achievement. We're, we're asking why the soul matters. It's the source of all of your achievement. Think about everything that is important in your life. And you will say, yep, that, that's where it came from. It came from my soul. Think about that in relation to the world. Let's use that and kind of uh, tie that in and parallel, parallel that. So think about music. Let's think about uh, symphony or, or rock music. What, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, it, it, it came, it originated in the soul of the composer's heart. It, it, it originated in the soul. I don't care what kind of music, what kind of world, whatever it is, it originated in the soul. 
Uh, think about art. Um, the ability to depict beauty came, yeah, it came from the hands of the artist, but where did it really come from? It came from the soul of the artist. Think about science. Science, where did that come from? It, it came from a desire in the soul of humanity to know, to explore, to discover, uh, and to understand. And so our soul was hungry for that. And so science was developed to help us search that out. That's why we always say true science leads us back to God. But it's this passion to know, to understand, and it comes from the soul. Think about business. There is no great business in the world that was not formed that didn't have a vision from the, from, from that, was, that was formed out of. Where did that came, come from? That came from, it rose from the soul of a leader, of a creator, somebody, somebody that had an idea and it was born in their soul and it came from them and they were able to cast vision for that and people buy into that, but it came from their soul. Even something uh, like sports. Sports, you may say, well, surely sports is totally body dependent. It all depends on the body. But James says in the Bible, the body without the spirit is dead. James 2.26. It's just an amoeba. <laughs> it's just a blob. But uh, without a spirit, every great sports achievement has come from a relentless commitment. It's come from discipline, desire, and the determination of the athlete, which is, which is, of course, born in the soul. The soul. I always think it unique. I enjoy sports, and I will see somebody my same size that can do stuff that is crazy. I mean, stuff that is amazing. I, I uh, you know, somebody that's uh, my same height that can soar through the sky and, and, you know, do things with a basketball through a rim that I'm going, oh, they're no bigger than I am. What's, what's the deal? It's a, and, and so, but somewhere in their soul, they had something driving them that it was such a desire and a passion that was born in their soul. Your soul, your soul is what gives direction to your body. All that you can achieve in life, everything that is achieved in the world will arise to life through the soul, through the soul. So why does the soul matter? Your soul, number three, is the cause of, is the cause of all of your sin. I'm going to say that again. Number three, your soul is the cause of all of your sin. You're thinking, oh, I'm so glad I found the culprit. It is, it is your soul. It is your soul. Let's look at James 1.14. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. Temptation comes to us through the world. It's, it's coming through the world. It's coming through our flesh. 
and it's coming from the devil. We, we know that. And so it attaches itself to what? It attaches itself to our soul. And our souls are naturally kind of sticky towards sin. And I'm going to show that and prove that to the, about some, a few different sins, how our souls are sticky. It's, they're sticky to sin. And if that wasn't the case, the, the temptation would just, wouldn't even, it wouldn't stick to you. It, what, but what causes the temptation to stick? Why is it sticky? Why is, it, why is my soul so sticky to sin? James says we're entire, enticed by our own evil desires. So when we're born, we're born into much sin. That fleshly heart and those fleshly passions make us sticky, uh, you, you know, for those things that are out there. You know, you don't have to teach a kid how to be bad. They're just born, and a few short days, they are in much trouble, the Bible talks about. And, and uh, hopefully one of these days, we're going to have us a grandkid. And uh, his last name is going to be Keating. But he's still going to be a little rascal. Not because his last name is Keating. Don't know. But because every child, you don't have to teach it. Their soul is sticky. And so, and so we start having to work ourselves into the presence of the Lord and the Word of God to help heal and fix, and put boundaries, and guide, and direct, and so, but it's, our souls are, are, are sticky, sticky. Let me, let me give you a few sins, and kind of prove what I'm saying. Greed makes your soul sticky for materialism, so, so greed makes your soul that just sticks to you, materialism sticks to you, that's why, that's why advertising is so effective, and people pay crazy amount of money to advertise because you see a thing and you're like, no, you don't. And you, and, you, and you want it. You march towards it and you have to get it. Why? It sticks to your soul. Lust. Let's talk about that. Another sin, lust. Lust makes your soul sticky to sexual temptation. So you're, you know, you're, you're always finding yourself in the middle of some sexual temptation because the lust that is in your soul is driving that heart to be, to be sticky to that. And so you say, well, why does it always find me? Well, it finds you because, because we've never dealt with the stickiness of lust in our soul. And so that's just, it's attaching it's attaching, and it seems to find you. Or what about anger? Anger makes your soul sticky to all kinds of viciousness, viciousness towards other people. And it, it, it attaches. You, you find yourself. I had a, a person I know. I'll keep it at that. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't go to this church, so don't try to figure it out. But i, I got to tell you, I've known them for years and years and years. If, if, if there is a fight around, 
It's going to find them. Uh, I, remember, I remember back at a certain point in my life when I was around this person a lot. We would be walking in the mall and they'd say, that person's looking at me. I'm fixing to go, I'm fixing to go whoop them. And I'm right next to them. And I'm like, huh? Bro, we, 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 yeah, bro, I'm, I'm fixing, I'm telling you, they, 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 they tossed a look at me and I could tell they was throwing shade. I, I'm going after them. And don't think they wouldn't. Y'all ever knew? Don't raise your hand. Don't even do it. But you know what I'm talking about? It just, it just, and this, this, this guy has been whooped. He's been beat up because he's not real big. But the anger inside of him that was never dealt with in his soul makes him so sticky to viciousness and trouble. Does that make sense? It's born. It's up in his soul. Laziness. Y'all know anybody that's just lazy? If you raise your hand, you know we're talking about somebody else. Laziness. This is a good time to go, yeah, I know somebody. And somebody's going, yeah, I know them too, you know. <laughs> no. Laziness. Keeps your soul doing absolutely nothing. And you stay sticky to nothing. You can't get them to get any passion for nothing. That, you give them a responsibility, they're not going to follow through with it. They're lazy and they're sticky to nothing and irresponsibility. They can't, it, it just... Pride, pride makes your soul sticky to the greatest temptation of all, which is to somehow take the place of God and crown yourself as Lord of your own life. And pride makes you sticky to that. And everywhere you turn, you find yourself being the God of your situation. And you're sticky. Your soul is sticky. And it's naturally going to be that. If you don't do anything to your soul and you let, you're let you born and you grow up and you don't have anything, any God repairs on your soul, that's how what it evolves into. Now, as if you didn't know this, now you know why our world's in a mess. Walked away from the word of God, walked away from what would clean up the soul. Now we've labeled all different kinds of things, pushed it out as this or that or that, and we don't want to let God work on our soul anymore, and it becomes sticky, sticky, and it's running rampant. And it touches this and gets that, and then it grabs this, and before long, the soul has made the man sick. Is this all right tonight? And so, I want to read Matthew 1, 21 through 23. It says, these sins are in the soul. Oh, well, that's not what the Word of God says. Excuse me. The Word of God says, the problem is out there, but Jesus says, from within, out of the heart of a man, here we go, from within, out of the heart of a man, come evil thoughts. From within. Everybody say from within. Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts. Out of my heart comes evil. What else comes out of it? Sexual immorality. That's what, that's what let me, let's listen to this one. Theft. Murder. Adultery. 
all these things, and, it, and, it, and et cetera, it keeps on. All these evils, it says, come from within. Now, we see the manifestation of those on the outside. We see what, you know, the, the soul is working, it's sticky, and we see what manifests, and we say, boom, they're this, they're that. They're. But, but, but it's coming from inside of the soul. If your soul was really, really pure, then when temptation came on you, it would be like an egg hitting a, a, a Teflon pan. It'd just slide off. But it's not. It's sticky. It grabs hold of it. Why, why is it not? Why is it like this when it's tempted? It's because of our sinful desires. And when temptation comes, the soul receives it, the soul retains it, it welcomes it, it embraces it, it holds on to it, it sticks to you. Let me tell you why this, because your soul loves it. It is like a Big Mac for your soul, a water burger for your soul. Whatever kind of burger you like for your soul. It's like pepperoni pizza for your soul. Let me, let me get to your heart. It's like bluebell for your soul. Oh, now we're connected. Now we're connected. It's like chips and salsa for your soul. Come on now. I'm hearing the desires of your heart right now. Or you're hearing the desires of my heart. But, but all it's, your soul is like, I mean, it's, it just, it's just grabbing. It loves this stuff. It loves this stuff. That's why when, when, when porn pops up on your cell phone by accident, you don't have to, you have to fight to lay that down. It's easy for it to go. <laughs> and that's just one thing. But it could be, a, you, you have to push. You, it has to be one of those good things because your soul loves those things. Why the soul matters. Number four, your soul will last forever. And this may be something that you don't know and it's imperative that you do know or you won't try to try to help your soul because the Bible says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body. Do not fear those who kill the body. Don't, don't fear that, but, but cannot kill the soul. In other words, we're so worried about our bodies being killed, but your soul will never be killed. No one, I mean, if, if God forbid, but if, if, if we're murdered, your soul was not murdered. Does that make sense? And so your life had a beginning, but it does not have an end. One day you will die and your body will be laid in the ground. And if God, uh, you know, continues uh, to, to when, I don't know when he's coming again, but if, if, if it outlives all of us, all of us are going to die. I'm not sure. Well, that's a positive message for us tonight, right? But we're going to die. I mean, gazillion millions before us have gone that way. It's going to happen. But I want to tell you this, the soul is not going to die. Amen? The soul is not going to die. You're going, well, that really don't pump me up. I, I, I want to live. But, I, but your soul is going to last forever. That's why it's so important. It's in, it's your, why is it your soul important? Because it's immortal. It's immortal. It is a beginning, but it has no end. 
That's why when we look at life and death, we look at, we look at the flesh side and we, we fight for life and, and we should. But the joy, the greatest joy, is knowing that our soul will never die. It's, e- it's what? Eternal what? Life. It has eternal life. It's, it's eternal. And that's, it's, it's so important because it has a beginning but it has no end. Some of you may be actively trying to decide right now in this room, and I know this is Wednesday night and, and, and folks, but, but, but if you're here tonight and you're trying to decide if you're going to follow Christ, I just, and, you're, and you're on the fence because you think it's kind of costly. It is. I don't want to trick you in that. It's costly. It's costly. You need to know what's at stake. You need to know that it's imperative for you to, to, to give yourself over to Christ. And it's going to cause you to walk away from other things. But it's okay because you need to know what's at stake. Jesus said, if you lose your life to me, you will save it. If you lose your life to me, if you, if you pour it out, if you turn it over to me, and, and, you, and you completely, you're saving it. It's because that soul is eternal. Somebody, somebody say amen tonight. Would you do that? I needed to kind of break the moment because it's getting a little heavy in this room. Number five, number five, your soul will experience everlasting joy or misery. You say, well, I didn't expect this on Wednesday night. But I need to tell you why your soul matters. I want to read you a story. It's in Luke chapter 16. It's always intrigued me, this story. And I'm, if you've ever read it, I'm sure it has you. Luke 16, 22 through 23 says, the poor man died. He, not like he was literally like poor, economically poor. So the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. I, I need you to catch this scripture. We're going to break it down real quick, but listen closely. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, listen to this, and was buried. And was buried and in, and in Hades, or we could say in hell, in Hades, being in torment, this was the rich man, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus at his side. So Jesus is the one telling the story, and he's telling the story about two men, two men, and it's very intriguing. And one of these men, who happened to be the poor man, was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. This is what I need you to get. What was carried to Abraham's side? His soul. He was a poor man. He was a poor man. And God didn't pick up his poor body and carry him to Abraham's side. He took his soul. Abraham's side. Now, then we read the rich man also died and was buried. Now, 
he was buried. It says he was buried. So it, it didn't say that about the poor man, but we, we you know, kind of understanding that he did. It just didn't say that. But the rich man was buried, but I'm, I'm glad it said he was buried because, you know, they put his flesh, they buried him, put a tombstone on, they buried him, all right? He has his name inscripted, birth to, when he was born and when he, was, when he died. So everybody knew where his grave was. Uh, he, he, he was a rich man. He had a rich man's grave. He had a tombstone, he, all this stuff. His body was placed in this, and, and, and then Jesus said, in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off. What was in Hades? What was in Hades? Not the rich man's body. The rich man's body was in that grave tombstone, remember? But what was carried in the story Jesus was saying, it was the rich man's soul. The point here is very simple. Death takes life from the body, but not from the soul. You have a soul. Pastor, this is kind of common sense stuff. I, I get it. But I, I've got to lay groundwork. If we're going to spend all summer trying to get the soul healthy, you need to know why the soul is important. And so you have a soul. Your soul can be saved and your soul can be lost. To lose your soul is the ultimate disaster. It, it is the ultimate disaster of, of all time because it is the only loss from which you can never recover. And that's the loss of the soul. So let's, if that is that big of a disaster, how can... How can my soul be lost? How can my soul be lost? So I'm trying to get your brain intrigued with this. One, number one, you can starve your soul. Just straight up starve that dude. <laughs> you can starve your soul. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of of God. So think about the rich man in Jesus' story. He never really thought about his soul. He, man, he, he laid up wealth. He had it, and, and he was just, he was married, if I could say, to his riches. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's nothing wrong with having riches. But obviously in the story, this man's soul was connected to that. It was sticky to him. It was it, it, it owned him. He didn't own it. Is that good? And and so in this story, we see this, this rich man, and he never really thought about his soul. He thought about his stocks. He thought about his wealth. He thought about everything but his soul. He only lived for this world. That's all he could see. He only lived for this world. Jesus said, bread sustains your body. It sustains your body, the word of God, and that's it sustains your soul. He never even, he didn't, some, something happened different about the poor man. The poor man has nothing, and having nothing doesn't automatically mean that you're in a saved soul position. 
But he was connected. We get the impression that he was connected. His soul was connected to the lifeline of the word of God. This man is connected simply to what he could touch, that the breads per se. This man was touched to the living bread, the word of God. And one soul is sustained and one soul has been lost or starved. I, I want to ask and, and try to, I want to I talk to th just briefly three groups here just real quick. So I want to talk to our older generation for just a minute. And I say that with all respect. But you've worked hard and you have enjoyed, uh, you are currently maybe enjoying your retirement. And awesome, that's, that's good. And, and you've, you've made, I'm not trying to be grave here, but you've, you've made your wheel. And maybe you have an executor uh, over that wheel. You've thought about everything. You've thought about what will happen, all these things. And, and uh, I, I, had a, I had an aunt, uh, we called her, her name was Aunt Ida. Uh, she lived in uh, New Orleans, and, and Aunt Ida had a lot of stuff. She, she was, she was uh, well-to-do in life. And, um, and so Aunt Ida, she, she, she never married Precious sweet lady, but but she had all kind of stuff. I got to tell you all this because funny story. But we got there one day and uh, we were visiting with my dad and mom and 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 she she loved the the history of the Keating family and kind of she she was just a neat person and and uh, and and she had <laughs> and my girls were I don't know how old were Macy Page at that time, fourteen, huh, eleven, twelve. And when we got there, she turned to my Macy and Paige and she said, when I'm gone, when I die, would y'all like my horses? Well, y'all don't understand. All my raising of Macy and Paige, they have wanted horses. They tried to convince me to buy a horse at our house. I don't know if you've ever seen our backyard. I mean, our schnauzer looks in. And it looks big in our big old yard. I mean, our little bitty yard. I can't even imagine a horse back there. You know, I, I, they just, we, they wanted a horse. So, Edo said, would you, would you like our horses? And, and Mason Page says, oh, my goodness. Our rich great aunt is going to give us horses. And they said, absolutely, yes, these little girls. Well, a few years ago, Aunt Edah died. Aunt Edah died. And we got a shipment in the mail of more figurine horses than you can possibly imagine. I'm just telling you, we were selling horses on Amazon and everything. We had horses, they were everywhere. They were, they were not, they were, they were not corralled well. They were, out, they were out of control. But Edoth thought of everything in that world. But why is it often that we think and put so much interest in where and how and all of that stuff, but the thing that matters most, we don't even think about it. For the eternity. 
I may be interested where the horses are going, figuring horses, but I forget where my soul is going. Are you with me tonight? Now, I know you folks have considered that, but I need to give you this message for when temptation comes in the temporal, you need to understand there is a greater thing that you are living for. I know you've made up in your mind. I know you folks have little halos floating around your head when you drive and everything. But when hell has you in a valley, when hell has come and it wants to stick to your soul, you need to understand you live for something greater than the now. Put it in your spiritual wheel where your soul is going. Come on, put it in your spiritual wheel where your soul is going. What about your soul? Are you urgently considering and working out your own salvation with fear and trembling because your soul matters? Number two, so you can starve. First of all, you can starve your soul. You can just starve it out. No word of God, no desire, no passion, no want to to, to have the, the bread of life. You, you don't even have, Pastor, don't even have a desire for that. You're starving your soul. Number two, you can strangle your soul. The Bible says in Mark 4, 19, it says, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Come to church and still leave out with the, the word being strangled and you never really get the meat of that in your soul. And, and so let me speak to the second group that I want to speak to. I, I talked about that, maybe that older generation, maybe that's planned everything out, but didn't plan for where the soul is going. Let's talk about to the midlife, the midlife crew. Your, 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 your schedule is relentless. Your career is relentless. It, the career is at the point at the greatest demands, it's weighing on you, it's pulling on you, it's, it's pulling from every side. And you can remember maybe a time back when your heart was just so tender towards the Lord, but now your whole life is taken up with so many cares of this world. Kind of what I was talking about, Sonny, the noise. And as you consume, and in that, possibly, the word of God has been choked, been choked out, and it's becoming unfruitful in your life. And in that, in that, you start losing your soul. It'd be like a, a vine wrapping itself around you even tighter and tighter where it's strangling out your soul. Number three, not only can it strangle, not only can it starve your soul, but number three, it can, you can surrender your soul. Surrender. Let's read this, 1 Peter 2 and 11. Beloved, I urge you. I love, the, I love the passion there. I love the passion in that word. I urge you. I'm calling out to you. I'm to abstain. Please, please, I urge you to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your what? Wage war against your soul. So now let me speak to the young. Let me speak to uh, the, young, the young person here. 
God says there are passions, there are passions of the flesh, the body, and they are waging war against your soul. I love that, that description we get. They're waging war. That means these passions of flesh, they're, they're out to destroy your soul. They're, they're waging war against you. They're, they're coming against you and, and coming against your who you are and what you are and who you what you believe and they're and they're enticing you and they're fighting you and they're sending fiery darts from every side. They're waging war against you. If you're a young man or a young woman, it's it's happening. And you don't have to be young or to, to have this going on. It can be whatever age you're at, but but I'm I'm just referring to three three groups here. But but it can be any age that all of these attempt and destroy our soul. But but there's a war that's going on, and when you're tempted with some passion and you give yourself to it, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. You finally just surrender your soul. Just surrender your soul. I'm tired of fighting the sexual lust. I'm giving into it. I'm tired of fighting greed. Agree, I'm giving into it. I'm tired of fighting, I mean, you name it, all around it. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to give into it. And if it feels good, I'm going with it. I'm, 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 that's, that's how I'm going to determine now. And so I determine it off of my flesh, and I'm just going. I'm, I'm all in, and I'm gung-ho for everything that I can think of that pulls my heart, my soul, my spirit, and it feeds my flesh, and it's waging war. There, I want you to see it. There's, there, these, these, these warriors are coming after you, and so I... I, I, you're, you're, when you give into that, this is like what it would be, and I think you can see this. You're, you're, you're raising the white flag. You're, you're saying uh, the in, to the enemy of your soul, you're saying, you win. <laughs> I concede. I, I, I give up. I'm yours now. And you know what? The enemy slips right in and says, I'm, thank you for that, and takes you captive. Are y'all getting the picture? I'm, I'm trying my best with words to draw a picture for you what's going on in our soul, and, and in the meantime, you're losing your soul. How could a loving God send me to the bad place? The loving God's not sending you to the bad place. It's all of these decisions that rose up and you were warring against you and you knew how to fight against them through the word of God that has been sown into you. But you raised the white flag and said, I give up. And the enemy jumped in to control your now. And you're losing your soul. What, what can you do? What can you do? One man said the first step towards heaven is to find out the worth of your soul. The worth of your soul. I'm, 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 I'm wrapping it up here, but you need to understand the worth of your soul. Pastor, why? Again, I already said this, but Wednesday night, I mean, we're the good ones. <laughs> we're the cream of the crop. We didn't have to come, you know. Don't know if I'm coming next week, you know. need to know your soul has worth. And when you're making that family decision, you need to so know your soul matters and your family soul matters. 
And I love that statement that says the first step towards heaven is to find out the worth of your soul, to find the worth of your soul. Thank God if you feel that today because the soul that is saved is a soul that is given to Jesus Christ. It's lordship. It's the first lesson. It's all up in our freedom stuff. It's the first lesson of the conference, lordship. Because if you don't get lordship, if you don't turn your soul over to Jesus Christ, all the rest of the stuff is going to stick to your soul. Is that all right tonight? You're never really going to get freedom. You can go to church for the next 30 years. You can give more money than you can imagine to the church. You can go on 4,700 mission trips. But if you don't turn your soul over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, every little temptation that comes is just a new opportunity for your soul to attach to. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but as for me, and I would like to say for my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Thank you. Anybody want to stand up and join me on that? I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to, somebody say, I'm going to serve the Lord. You know the old statement, come hell or high water, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen? I'm going to serve the Lord. Well, what if offense comes? Man, the Lord's got to raise us up to help block that. It, it, it comes at me to try to attach. That offense tries to attach. Man, I want to push that away. Well, pastor, that probably never happens to you. I have a fence that comes to me from the same people that do what I do. I've had it in the last two weeks so strong you can't imagine. Attacks from the people that do what I do. Are you with me? That if I didn't preach the way I do, you probably wouldn't be in this room. But I'm taking attacks, and it's not attacks against you. It's not attacks against my flesh. It's attacks against my soul. But my soul matters and I refuse to let offense attach itself to my soul amen and bitterness and bitterness because it attaches to me and then it starts breeding the nasty stuff of bitterness and before long everybody around you can taste the moldy spirit of bitterness and even if I didn't let that junk go and forgive those people and move forward, it would come out in every message I preached. There would be a little line of moldy, junky, bitter. Are you with me? And the same thing for you. The message you preach on a daily basis at your job and your life and the things you walk out, what is filtering out of your soul, flowing out of your soul, and seeping into the department that you're in or the, 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 the plant that you're in or the Walmart that you're 
you're in or the Kroger's that you're in and, and whatever it is that you're in that's seeping out, a bitterness or offense or is it the power of who Jesus is? Is it the Lordship of Christ, the beauty of who Jesus is? Amen? Somebody raise your right hand. This is your arm of power. Everything about the right arm is the arm of power. Even in the Bible, the Bible says that he's on the right hand. That right hand is the power. I want you to raise it and say, I make a decision to follow Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want to pray over you. I don't want you to pray. For just a second, I want to pray over you. I feel anointed to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against every stickiness of the soul. I come against everything that would try to attach itself to the souls of people in this room and people in our church and who call this church their home. God, I rebuke every bit of the enemy. Things that people feel like that it is so ingrained in their soul that it will never get out. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I'm claiming healing and restoration and victory for souls. God, I ask that you would let this be a soul-saving station, a healing station for souls. And God, let it start right here tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you now just lift your hands and receive that prayer and claim it in the name of Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah, Lord. Save me. Heal me. Flow through me. Anoint me. Touch me. Let your virtue do a work within me. And Now I want you to pray for yourself. Would you do that? Just pray to the Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we open ourselves up. If there needs to be anything, that, Lord, that we, that we need you to help us on. God, we pray over it right now. Hallelujah. Let victory come. Let healing come. Let salvation come. God, help us with the situations that are attacking our soul. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on. You feeling lighter in your spirit? Because your soul is healthier. God bless you. Go have a blessed week. Listen, men. 5 o'clock, the door is open, 5.30, the service starts Sunday. Your, the attendance on registration has gone way up. Thank you so much. If you hadn't registered, come see us, and we're going to give you a special entrance because we love your soul. Lord bless you. See you Saturday night, men. Sunday, I'll see the rest of you 9 and 11.